Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. So the reading is Revelation chapter 21 and it's verses 1 to 5. The New Jerusalem. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And good morning. It's very good to have you here with us um, today. Do keep your Bibles open at that reading from Revelation 21. It's on page 1249 in these pew Bibles if you've closed them during that hymn. And let me pray for all of us as we look together at God's word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have been our help in ages past. And we thank you that in you we have great hope for the years to come. And so I pray this morning that for each one of us, you would help us to afresh put our trust and hope in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On this Remembrance Sunday, we remember the men and women who gave their lives to protect our peace and freedom. And of course, the price that has been paid on our behalf is so very high. During World War I, the Great War, only 53 parishes across all of England and Wales had no need for a war memorial to honor the dead from the parish. Of the six million men and women from this country who fought in the Great War, one in eight were killed, 1.7 million were physically wounded, though of course not all wounds are physical. And let us not forget the family, the friends left devastated. The sacrifice is extraordinary and so it is right that today is a day of, of heartfelt thanks. But also today is a day when we remember the past in order to understand our worlds today. It was Winston Churchill who once said, a nation that forgets its past has no future. If we forget our past, if we forget what this world is really like, a world where war and bloodshed is commonplace, then we very easily slip into a, a naive optimism about the future of this world. World War I was the, world, the war to end all wars, but only 20 years later, the world was at war again. Since the, gu- the guns fell silent at the end of World War II, the British Army has been involved in 20 further major conflicts. And since 1945, there have only been two years when a British service personnel was not killed in active service. 
It would be so very easy to bury our heads in the sand and to assume that somehow this world will become better. But remembering our history rules out a naive optimism about what lies ahead of us. And so today we remember our past, not just in honor of those who gave their lives to serve us, but also to remember what our world is like. But as we remember, it's very hard if we avoid naive optimism to also avoid hopeless despair. If you look at what this world is like decade after decade, seeing how the patterns of violence go on, it's very easy to become those who despair about what lies ahead of us in this world. What hope is there for a world like this that has always known war? Well, our reading from Revelation 21 contains a vision that John, a a follower and eyewitness of Jesus, it's a vision that John had about the future of this world. It's a vision that is neither naive or hopeless. And so on this Remembrance Sunday, even as we look back, let's also look forward. And two points for us. First, our world will be made new. Look at verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. With the general election now under five weeks away, our politicians will be making all kinds of promises to us about how they plan to make our world a better place. There'll be promises about the NHS and increased spending to help us when we are sick There'll be pledges of more police on the streets to keep us safe. There'll be promises about better education to give us better opportunities in the future. And of course, all these things matter. We should be careful and thoughtful about how we vote. But in John's vision of the future, we're not talking about a few extra billion pounds for the NHS or 25,000 more police on the streets. No, he's talking about a totally new world. This is not some fresh paint to cover the cracks. This is a new build from the ground up. And what a stunning world it will be. Look at verse four. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Growing up, my next door neighbor was called Mr. Denholm. In the Battle of Britain, he had been an RAF pilot flying spitfires in fact he was a squadron leader and at the start of the battle of britain he flew his squadron of 45 spitfire pilots down from edinburgh to essex on the first day of the battle three of his pilots were killed within six weeks that number had increased to 15 and their average age was just 22 many of them died in horrific circumstances And when I came to know Mr. Dunham over 50 years after that terrible battle, it was clear to me he was still devastated by what had happened to his squadron. Pain, crying, mourning, and death. That is what our world is like now because we live in the old order now. Oh, it could be far worse. We should be incredibly thankful for those who do their best to hold back evil and pain now. I think of the story of Kate Nesbitt, only 20 when she headed off on her first tour in Afghanistan. One day, whilst her patrol 
was out, one of her team was shot through the neck and jaw. Under heavy fire, Kate ran 70 meters across open ground to provide first aid to the casualty. And during the intense firefight that followed, she worked for 45 minutes on the casualty. At times, she had to stand up away from cover to make sure that the IV drip worked properly. And her bravery saved that person's life. This world could be far worse. We should be incredibly grateful for anyone who stands in the way of pain, making it less severe. And yet, despite the bravery and sacrifice of many, we still live in the old order. And so no one and nothing can absolutely and ultimately protect us from pain and crying and mourning and death. But one day, our world will be made new. And on that that day, there will be no more hankies, hospitals, or hearses. And also, verse 1, there will be no more sea. And look, I, I love the sea. Some of my favorite holidays have taken place at the sea. We go to the sea whenever we can. I love the sound of the crashing waves in the surf. I love messing around in the sea when I can in the summer. But for John's first readers, they had a very different view of the sea. To them, the sea was the source of evil and chaos in the world. It's as if they believed that, that evil and chaos came from up out of the sea and spread throughout the world. They associated the sea with death. And so when John says that in this new world, there'll be no sea, he is saying to us that in this new world, there'll be no more evil and no more causes of evil. Today, whether it's people who traffic others and who play loose and fast with their lives or terrorists who murder or dictators who brutalize, We are all too aware of the sources of evil at work in our world. But one day it will be removed. Imagine being able to open the morning paper or to flick on your app and to know with absolute confidence that every single story you are about to read in front of you will contain no evil, no sadness, no suffering, and no account of death. What a day that will be. Our world will be made new. And notice that this new world will be utterly secure. Um, The world is described in terms of a city in Revelation 21. And uh, in verse 17, uh, John uh, has um, the the, the measurements of this new city given to him. The walls will be 144 cubits thick. That is 200 feet thick. Probably not a literal description, but a, a, a picture of absolute safety. The British government will spend 38 billion pounds on the fence this year, but one day in the future, not a penny will be needed because we will be totally and eternally saved. Our world will be made new. But is this just naive optimism? How could it possibly be true? Well, that's our second point. How our world will be made new. Verse two. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. How will our world be made new? Well, God will do it. 
Back in the beginning, God created the world. Our world is not an accident. We are not here because of unthinkably complex series of chemical accidents, but because a personal God made the world. And if he can make the world once in the past, then one day he will remake it in the future. And in case we missed the point, verse five. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Our world will be made new by God. But notice our world will be made new also through a restored relationship. Look at verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Before World War I began, Rudyard Kipling was probably the most famous author of his day in this country. His son, John, joined the army on his 18th birthday. And six weeks later, he was involved in the Battle of Luz. During the battle on September 27th, 1915, John's battalion crossed open ground and advanced towards a German position under heavy fire. And at some point in the ensuing four hours, John disappeared. After the battle, his body was never found. Rudyard Kipling was distraught. Over the next four years, he did all he could to track down his son. He quizzed the fellow soldiers who were fighting with John. They had no idea where John had gone. He contacted senior military officials. They had no idea. He appealed to the Red Cross. They couldn't find any sign of what happened to John. He even contacted friends in the Swedish, um, uh, amongst the Swedish diplomats who were neutral at the time, asking if they would contact Germany to see if John was a prisoner of war with the Germans. That led to nothing. John was never found. And his dad was left absolutely crushed. After the war, it was noticeable that a change had taken place in Rudyard Kipling. As one historian put it, as a public figure, he became much more bitter and angry. His writings were marked by sadness and grief. Of all the sufferings that war brings, surely some of the cruelest is caused by the pain of broken relationships. In 1916, Kipling famously wrote the poem, My Boy Jack. It's a poem about a dad waiting for his son to come back after the Battle of Jutland. Jack never came back. It's a haunting poem full of agony and heartache. And the Bible understands this pain. At the heart of the Bible is a story of a broken relationship that brings untold sadness and death. The Bible begins by describing a world as it was meant to be, with God and humanity living together in a perfect and peaceful relationship. But by the third chapter of the Bible, all of that was lost. Humanity, in its greed and desire for power, rebelled against the Creator and destroyed the relationship. You see, when, when humans war with other humans, precious relationships are destroyed. Fathers lose sons. But when humans war with God, the most precious relationship of all is destroyed. We lose God. 
we lose the author of life and love and light and all good things. And that is why this old order now is so full of pain and tears. But a day is coming when what was lost will be restored. God will once again dwell with his people. And when he does, look at what will happen. Verse four. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There is mystery here. I don't know how it will be possible for God to wipe away every tear. There have been so many tears. So many sons like John and Jack. More than one million British service personnel killed in World War I and World War II. So many tears. But somehow, when the relationship between God and humanity is put right, there will be a healing from the pain that comes from living in this old order. Only God is big enough to wipe away those tears. How will our world be made new? Well, a restored relationship. But even as we rejoice in that future, we must wonder, how is it possible for those who rebelled against God and pushed him away, how is it possible for those rebels like us to be brought back into God's presence and to live with him forever? We'll cross the page in verse 27. Speaking of the world to come, we read in verse 27. Nothing impure will ever enter it. And this is a good thing because impure motives now, greed and selfishness, these are the things that ruin our world now. But the thing is, such motives, such impurities are a reality in each one of our hearts in different ways. And so how will anyone get into this perfected and pure world? Well, finally, our world will be made new through the ultimate sacrifice. On the 5th of June, 1982, Captain Gavin Hamilton was leading a two-man patrol in the Falklands when suddenly they were in, uh, came upon a, an Argentinian force. Um, they were hopelessly outnumbered, and the only escape route for these two British soldiers was across open land with no cover. As shots were fired, Captain Hamilton was injured in the arm. However, instead of trying to protect himself, he ordered his lieutenant to retreat while he himself stayed and provided covering fire. His lieutenant did indeed scramble to safety across the open grounds, but as Captain Hamilton stayed to provide covering fire, he was fatally wounded and died at the scene. He gave his life to save the life of another. And in a similar way, but in a much greater way, Jesus came into the world the first time to lay down his life for others. Uh, Not because he was caught up in some surprise attack like Captain Hamilton, but because he came on a pre-planned rescue mission. On the eve of his death, Jesus wept tears of agony, knowing that the next day he would experience the full weight of God's righteous anger and wrath for the sins of the world onto himself. On the cross, Jesus was cut off from God so that we could be brought near. Earlier, Dan reminded us of the story of that Japanese fighter pilot, Mitsuo Fukida. When he came to hear about Jesus, he wrote these words. Dan mentioned them earlier on. I understood the meaning of his death 
as a substitute for my wickedness. And so in prayer, I requested him to forgive my sins. That is what Jesus came to bring. He gave his perfect, pure life as a sacrifice and substitute for unclean people. And no one is too unclean to be beyond the reach of Jesus, even Japanese fighter pilots like Mitsuo Fukida. But no one is clean enough not to need this cleansing. I think so many people today get confused about this. They think that if they try hard enough and recycle enough and do enough good, kind deeds to help other people and they sacrifice to serve others, that somehow these things will be enough to get them into God's presence in the future, but they won't be. We all need to be cleansed through the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. I realize there may be some here today who, um, for whom this is new. We'd love to have you back in one of our Sunday services. And also, Paul mentioned this little booklet. I'll have a little copies on the door on the way out at the end. If you would like to think more about Jesus and his sacrifice that brings cleansing, do grab this booklet off me. I'd love to give it to you and do read it in the coming days. On this Remembrance Sunday, as we remember those who laid down their lives to secure our freedom, let us not forget the most wonderful news of all, the one who will wipe away our tears in the future. He himself knows what it is like to weep. He knows what it is like to have loved and lost. He knows what it is like to have experienced death and separation. And because he wept and died and was cut off, one day, we will be free from such agonies. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so very thankful this morning. We're thankful for those men and women who lay down their lives to serve us and secure our freedom. And we are thankful today for the Lord Jesus who paid the ultimate sacrifice in the giving of his life on the cross to win for us a washing and a cleansing and a restored relationship with you. And so, Father, we thank you that even as we look back, we can look forward this morning in great hope and confidence of a world put right through him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.